0: Eighteen plus, Whistless. tea time yeah. making a difference. One cup at a time, yeah. tea time yeah. making a difference. One cup at a time. So be
1: sure to grab your tea, grab a seat and tune in to Miss Liz. Tea time. Making a difference. One cup at a time.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is evening tea time. Do you believe it? We did three tea times again today. It is Thursday, and this is the last show, and this is the last one for February, and we're jumping into March. So right after this tea time, get ready, because all of March guests will be released on who's coming to the stage next and serving some TEA witness Liz. But tonight, I have the incredible Richard Blank, all the way from Costa Rica. That's right. We're traveling. So grab your seats, buckle up. We're traveling. This morning, we were in Canada, this afternoon in the United States. Now we're in Costa Rica. That's just how Miss Liz grows. I only serve strong tea from all over. So let's get the disclaimer in there and let's get a little bit of Richard Blank's bio. And then we're going to serve some good strong tea tonight and learn a little bit about telemarketing, jukeboxes, pinball machines. Yeah, you name it. We're doing it all. So the disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live show Miss Liz, myself is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Ms. Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion for some where they may be emotionally at risk, it is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion, forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about this disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in tonight's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you choose that this show is not made for you at this time. I respect that, and I will see you at a later show at a later date and time. Now, let me get into this incredible Richard Blank. Who's Richard, right? So let's get into Richard a little. So Richard's journey in the call center space is filled with twists and turns. When he was 27 years old, he relocated to Costa Rica to train employees for one of the largest, larger call centers in San Jose with a mix of motivational public speaking styles backed by tactical tactful, and appropriate reticle. I think I'm saying it right. Richard shared his knowledge and trained over 10,000 bilingual telemarketers. Richard Blank has the largest collection of restored American pinball machines and antique rockalola jukeboxes in Central America, making gamification a strong part of CC culture. Richard Blank is the chief ex-exit... Ex- ex- executive officer for costa rica call center since 20 2008 so let's get richard in here and let's get him to share a little bit and i'm just going to take a sip of tea and we're going to spill some tea so welcome richard
1: hey miss liz so happy to be with you and your audience tonight
2: it is a pleasure having you here i'm just gonna take a little sip of tea so share away a little bit on what call the Costa Rica call center is all about and all of that good stuff. And then we'll dig a little deeper.
1: Of course, we're a near shore, bilingual, college educated and dedicated call center. We focus on appointment setting and lead generation. We also work with inbound customer support and non-voice back office support. We're selective of the campaign. So unlike what you've seen in Hollywood, we do not do stocks, casinos, pharmacies or sweepstakes. We We're very selective of the campaigns that come in. It's very competitive here because Amazon, HP, and Intel is in Costa Rica. So the agents have leverage, and they choose Costa Rica's call centers so they can make a name for themselves. They can enjoy our game room, and they can be guaranteed job stability and and their dignity. And those are the sort of things that gave me the sort of staying power to be in business for the last 15 years.
2: Well, I, I noticed the game room. I noticed all of that, like the RKs. I seen some of those pictures and I was like, oh, my goodness. Brought back memories because my son, when he was a toddler, he had some yeah, pinball machines and he was actually charging um, the neighbors to play the machines.
1: <laughs> now you can do that, too. So,
2: so that really grabbed my attention when I when I was giving you uh Tonight's guest is given to me by PodcastGuests.com, so check them out as well. So, Richard, I want to really thank you for reaching out and submitting your form for tea time. For, but I want to get into telemarketing and call centers. What is it about, and how how can you get into it?
1: Kind of fell into it. I mean, no one, when they're growing up, they'd rather be a fireman or an astronaut. I never told my mother at six years old I wanted to be CEO of a call center, let alone a telemarketer usually when you're growing up, they say how much they hate them. But um, when I had this one in a million opportunity, a very good friend of mine owned a call center here and asked me to come down for a couple of months to teach English. Well, that couple of months turned into four years. And I was given the gift of learning the business from the inside out, not at sea level, Miss Liz. I sat with the proletariat. I saw the good and the bad and the happy and the sad. And what it did was it opened my eyes to the art of speech, the fact that these bilingual English second language, mid 20 agents were so engaged on the phone. They were handling conversation, their intense concentration. I gravitated towards it and it kind of came naturally to me. I can put a script aside and have really nice conversations with people and I can resolve issues and that made my numbers go very well and decided to throw my hat in the ring and try it on my own. But It didn't happen fast. I I was renting space originally, an individual station. And then I actually rented some space where I can put 150 seats in. And then after a while, I was able to build out a center. So it was slow and steady. But um, I tell you what, this industry is not for the faint of heart. It's been known as a burnout industry, where people look at it as a transitional type of job. But Miss Liz, in Costa Rica, if you're very talented on the phone, you can... Earn more than most vocations. So a lot of people that work at call centers have medical and law degrees. But I did not burn out. I not only survived, but I thrived, and I decided to pay it forward by feeding families and working on individual self-confidence and self-reliance. And being that one boss, Miss Liz, that will have a tea with you, break bread with you, and know your name.
2: And 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 that's what we need, right? We need those connections and then the relationship building the relationships with people you know and I and I feel like with telemarketers a lot of people are fast to judge them without knowing them right like they don't get that chance of building that relationship with many locations but with Costa Rica I see something different with with what you're doing because you're making it almost like a family vacation center like you got limousines you got arcades like you have it like like you're here to enjoy yourself, not, you know, not stressed.
1: Well, I was very much influenced by Pierce Brosnan his Remington steel back in the 1980s. So I had to have a limo to pick up my clients. So I decided to restore a 1984 Mercedes 300 D it's really not a disco limo. It was more of a embassy or a luxury hotel one. So I ripped out these middle seats that they had and I put in a custom made bar. So it's really for two people, possibly three in the back. And it's a nice ride. It's a lot of fun. And for me, it it feels like a kid. If I can restore jukeboxes, pinball machines, limousines, and it's like a fantasy. And so the fact that I have been given this opportunity to do this, I'm very gracious, this one in a million shot hit. And that's why you see me so happy, because I was a long shot from Philadelphia. I did not follow in family footsteps, Miss Liz. I did not go Ivy League to Harvard or Columbia or Washington and Lee and study economic finance or law. I went to the university of Arizona and I was a Spanish major. And then I doubled down on it and moved abroad and see if my charm, good looks and a little bit of Spanish could get me far. And little (laughs) little did I know look
2: at you now, 27 years later.
1: It's amazing, but um, it's very humbling at the same time.
2: Yeah. And you're talking to a car junkie. I love old cars. So when you start saying the older years, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like it. Miss
1: Liz, I also restored a 1992 Volkswagen Cabriolet convertible. So I drive that.
2: Oh, my goodness. I'll have to see pictures. You'll have to share me pictures.
1: It was like the movie License to Drive back in the 80s with Corey Hammond and Corey Feldman. I'm still living oh. in the 80s. Like, if you oh, see me goodness. in San Jose, I'm listening to In Excess, <laughs> and the top is down.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm, an, I'm a car junkie. Like that if you want my attention, take me to a car show. Like, I'm just like, oh my goodness, look at those babies, look at them and hear them roar. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a car junkie.
0: That's cool. Yeah,
2: so I want to get, Richard, I want to get into the pinball machines. What caught you into the pinball machines?
1: Just growing up in the seventies and eighties and maybe being envious of Ricky Schroeder on Silver Spoons, I wanted my own arcade <laughs> and so. And you have a lot. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's like Tom Hanks in the movie Big. I mean, I still am an adult, but in my mind, I still kind of feel like I'm a kid. So I might want an extra scoop of ice cream. And I took it to the extreme and I I went with my obsession. And one man's trash is another man's treasure. And this is my wheelhouse. So I'm willing to drive a couple of hours to go to some guy's bodega when he has a 1993 Arnold Schwarzenegger last action hero sitting there for $300. Sight unseen, I'll grab it.
0: Yeah, and then I'll absolutely. just buy some
1: parts from the United States and electrician, fix it up. Next thing you know, it's $5,000 machine that you're playing. And so currently I have 13 machines. My oldest one is a 1976 Bally's freedom and my old and the newest one is a 1997 NBA fast break. It's a Williams machine. And so oh. the ones today are tens of thousands of dollars and the older ones Some of the parts are easier to fix because they're from, I guess, certain areas of the world or they just weren't able to withstand years. But I tell you, these machines are older than most agents. I've created a neutral environment at the office, which is free play, Miss Liz, I don't charge. And they can (laughs) let off steam and, and recharge batteries and make friends and hang out with me. And I've seen that it's reduced attrition rate because if you and I are best friends, there's a very good chance one of us won't quit. Yeah. And I've seen that save somebody that's having a rainy Wednesday. So instead of putting you right back on the phone after someone said, F you, why don't we go downstairs for five minutes, play some pinball, knock it out? And then when you come upstairs and put some water on your face, Miss Liz, then we're ready for round two. And so I, I need to extend that sort of compassion. Yeah. I'll bend you. I'm just not going to break you. But I also don't want you to quit. And so if I can have that healthy balance with this generation, I might have people come back and and fight another day for me.
2: Yeah, well, and that's it, right? You're building that relationship, and you're not, you know. Oh, okay, you're stressed out. Go, you know. Let's mm-hmm. let me take you downstairs for five minutes and cheer you up, and then let's go back. You know. Right. And I like that because we really need that in the environments of workplaces. We need that building a relationship and understanding people. That somebody has a sad Wednesday, you know, rainy day Wednesday. But, you know, there is Sunflower Thursday that comes out. And then you're, here you are serving tea with Miss Liz on Thursday. So you just never know where your week will take you, right?
1: Very good point.
2: So I want to get into your tea before we get into a little bit more about telemarketing and all that. Because I really want to know more about telemarketing. Why people get so frustrated with telemarketers and stuff like that. But I want to get into your tea. So what tea are you serving tonight if I ask you for your tea?
1: Well, the tea stands for taking time. I'm gonna double T it. You gotta double T Double,
2: You're doubling it, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna double down initially, Mm -hmm. okay? So (laughs) it's a good bet. So I'm taking time and the E stands for empathy. I wanna take time to extend empathy and compassion and the A stands for adventure. So I take my time by extending compassion on my adventure. And by doing so, Miss Liz, It allows me to be in the now. It allows me to shed any sort of priorities that I had in Philadelphia while I'm a guest in another country 3,000 miles away from my mother. And so by being bilingual, by keeping an open mind, by listening more than I speak and asking clarification questions in order for my own edification so I can participate better, I've seen such positive reinforcement that one month turned into one year, which turned into five years, which turned into so many years. I,
2: 27 I years I later.
1: Kind of lost count. And so, right? You, you know,
2: stop counting because you just enjoy it so much.
1: Well, my good friend, I came here at 27 and I'm 50 now. So I've been here for 23 years.
2: I would have never gave you 50.
1: No, it's fine. I mean, I know the numbers are, are, are jumbling, but it was really about getting past parents' guilt. It was about being at that perfect stage in life where the naysayers and great believers, I had to push them aside for a minute and be a little selfish. And then when I was here, I really felt like I got one last shot at it. It was one last shedding of the skin, one more chapter. And I had my impulse control and maturity down that I could take it a little bit differently than I would if I were in my early twenties or late teens. And I don't think I've ever fought for anything harder in my entire life and I fell in love down here, Miss Liz. I married the girl of my dreams and we started this company together. And so um, the only thing that I can share with you and your audience is that you're looking at a man that, that believed in himself enough to go for it and to be true to myself. My, my essence was second languages and I didn't know where that was going to go, but I did know this. If I were the only one out of all of my friends, that could speak Spanish. I may be able to translate for a doctor and an attorney, read directions, or just be that cool cat that speaks for everybody and understand right? that someone's trying to get you for five bucks. And so, um,
2: you're like, no, 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 you don't want to do that.
1: Exactly. <laughs> go right. Don't go left. Miss But whatever it was, it was awesome. And it came natural to me. It wasn't a force fit and I didn't hate studying Spanish. All I wanted to do was go out and speak Spanish and watch movies and listen to music and read. And by doing so, that's a dedicated practice. And the best way to get better, like bigger in the gym and to play your violin or even languages is to, if you don't have the fidelity, how are you going to do it? Exactly. And I learned it so young that I love Spanish and I just needed to really throw myself in the deep end in order to do it. It just couldn't be that sort of school homework and the occasional, no, no, no. I really had to do it. And, and and there you go, Miss Liz. And if you really have that sort of passion, I believe that your audience should take a very big sip of life in your tea and and really enjoy what you're doing.
2: Well, and that's the thing, right? We serve a different type of tea. So this t- type of tea, it needs excitement. It needs that, you know, really transformation, empowerment, and action. If if you're not understanding that transformation, what Miss Liz is coming at you with, then you're not going to understand the tea. Because the tea is actually just serving who we are and what we do, our purpose. Like we said in the backstage, you know, we serve a different tea on different days. And that's that's true because that's who we are. We are different people on different days. You know, we have a rainy Sunday, rainy Wednesday, and then we have a sunshine Thursday. So you just never know what tea you're serving.
1: But I will say this, though, Miss Liz, that you do have a very large influence on my tea. I could still come to you with a very sad day, but still in the presence of Miss Liz, I may be choosing a different flavor because of your energy. And so my thoughts today was what you brought out of me. And so, yes, you definitely contributed towards my tea today.
2: Well, and that's it, right? We have to spill and empower others. Because I don't serve Miss Liz's tea. I serve everyone else's tea. I'm just a pot holder. I just put your tea in my pot and I spill it. I make a mess and I bring the education to the table. So Richard, I want to get into, you do a lot of stuff for education. You have a scholarship that I, that I found online. So how does that work for the scholarship for the, from uh, Costa Rica's call center?
1: It's actually for my proud Abington high school. I I extend a second language scholarship for a senior that's planning on studying languages at a university level. It's been my sixth year doing this. And they also extended to me the honor of being the keynote speaker for this 68th annual National Honor Society induction ceremony. I had to do it via video, but it was another honor. And, And this is somebody that was not an honor student. And in fact, I mean, I was active in regards to student government and athletics, and I was the class party, which I'm exceptionally proud of. But I will say this, though. If it weren't for that college recommendation letter from the late principal Norman Schmidt or my Spanish teacher Esperanza Galsack really, really inspiring me and motivating me to continue my, my language skills, I would have not gotten into Arizona. And so I believe in the butterfly effect and I also believe in paying it forward. And it's not the amount that I'm giving or it's... I'd like to put my name there because it's, it's the fact of showing that someone did do it And if you're bragging, it's not like it's a hundred million dollars. So it's really letting you know that the circle is complete. There's a 1991 person at that school that is doing this and you could do it too. And that's what gets me excited. But here is different. You know, the telemarketing is a very interesting balance. And so what I try to do is I put fear into perspective in someone's first day. I'd rather have somebody that has the cognitive skills but no experience so they, I can mold them and they don't have bad habits from another center. But th- there's a mix. So let's just bring yeah. people in for the first day. Prior to any sort of training or class, you know we're going right to recess. They're in the game room for the first half an hour so they can make friends and, and chill out for a minute Right, some fun. Come on, Ms. Liz. You know that like, they, they,
2: You You put the hook in the water and let them break easy, break them down easy, right?
1: Absolutely. So when they come into class, they're loose. And instead of just absorbing, now they're contributing. And so why don't we put fear into perspective? Let's do the armor, the shield, and the sword. Let's do the psychology. Learning a second language is 10 times harder than any campaign that I would put you on. And prior to even meeting you, I see structured discipline and high cognitive skills. And so I'm extremely impressed. So what do we do from there? Then I work on a thesaurus so I can expand on their similes. We'll take out words like help and use words like assist guide and lend a hand just to readjust tone, expand vocabulary. I can give them better punches. I teach them active listening because when you are doing this in a second language, it's extremely intense for short periods of time. So they need checkpoints. Why don't we do name drops? Why don't we ask clarification questions for edification? Why don't we repeat things in military alphabet just to give you a breather during tag for a minute? And so these are certain things that we can adjust paces and tones of calls, showing active listening, using personal pronouns with quarter second slides by saying your or are. Just to get your attention because mind you you're thinking of visual speech and yes there are tail sides and you can read lips bodies proxemics the the shebang but you're eliminating miss liz three of our senses we don't have taste touch and spell so the scientists say that the other senses should be expanded so of course you be, should be doing active listening but i've argued with my class in regards to sight on the phone they they claim you can't see over the phone but i beg to differ You know perfectly well, Miss Liz, when you read a book, your imagination is better than any sort of movie. So there's nothing wrong with descriptions and adjectives and putting a little color to your speech. And so through metaphysics and image streaming, I have made their vocabulary, their delivery and their captive nature. It's incredible. It's irresistible. They become paintings. They're not prints. They're artists of speech. And what they do on the phone with positive escalations where they take the secretary's name and they say verbally how amazing they were when the call is asked. Miss Liz will do it in writing. So it separates anyone prior to a contract. My friend, when you telemarket, you don't force hands or twist arms unless there's a sense of urgency. It's the last ticket to the show. From an educated point of view, people make a decision. As long as I can prolong conversations by simple manipulation, by just active listening, I can give myself the ability to ask, receive, engage positive and negative reinforcements. And these are the sort of things that you can do throughout conversations to have 10 minute conversations and convert calls. And it's a beautiful thing because when you have a structure and you force someone to end a call quickly, then you're you're commissioning a, a painter. You should allow somebody the ability to anchor with you. If I hear a dog in the background, instead of hushing it away and saying, excuse me, I can't hear my friend, I will inadvertently and passive aggressively strategically tell you to let them know that the dog sounds great. (laughs) What's the dog's name? What's the breed and how old is your puppy?
2: Well, you want to build a relationship, right? Because when you get on the phone and somebody short, short answers and, you know, and getting frustrated with you, you can actually feel that energy. You can feel that. So it's like you said, Richard, like there is a vision of the caller on the other side. You can tell if the caller is frustrated or sad or, you know, happy, wants resolution, doesn't want resolution. You can feel all of that. That's just like a painting. That's just like making art. Right, you You have have a stronger.
1: Were there any ways to prevent this before you calling and popping?
2: Exactly, right?
1: Maybe even cursing Miss Liz,
2: right? But -hmm. I think there's not enough education out there on telemarketing and telecommunication. I think people just assume that they know that oh, it's just going to be a two minute call, boom, done. I have a resolution where they should be making the relationships and building relationships. Like I, when I get on the phone, I'm just a big old chat box. So I just want to know everything. Like, You're oh, great. it sounds then. Oh, that sounds pretty. Like, are you in the home? Like, I almost kind of get onto the reverse side of the conversation. And then I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I'm calling you for this again. You know? So I kind of lose my way when I'm on the phone.
1: Oh, oh Miss Liz, if I could only grade your QA here on doing something like that, I would have that call listened to in the training room. And I would let them know that it's a Wu Wei Technique, you are so easy flowing and making best friends. You're a genius. You, you can't agree. train on that. that. That comes natural. I can, You said, oh, wait a second. This is what I'm calling about. Yeah, hold on this, Liz. <laughs> Put that to the side. <laughs> listen to you right now. Can we pick that apart with the people and listen how you said my name three times and how you talked about my pinball machines? You know what you did? And this is a secret. If you can do due diligence prior to a podcast or a phone call, an email or a voicemail, just by a LinkedIn profile or website, you can custom make it. And by doing so, it just separates you from other people as well. And what you did was good faith and it was very sincere.
2: Well, and I, it, I, I, I yeah. just like to serve a nice home style tea like my, my Oma my always served me, right? Was get to know who you're serving and who you're bringing to your table, you yeah. know? Make them feel like an individual. Don't make them feel like a like just a spot at the table. You want to make people feel like they're part of your family, whether they're the person on the other side of the the, the screen, like, like you're on the other side of Costa Rica, and I'm in Canada, so we have two countries, and we're getting to know each other tonight, and we're having this conversation. But without the conversation, how do we make a relationship? We have to have that communication. And I, May feel I that- say
1: for your audience that I'm a huge Rush fan? And I oh. love Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> I love bubbles. And yes, Miss Liz
2: does like a little bit of Rush once in a while.
1: Well. Yo, know, Miss Liz, my first concert ever was Rush in 1984 at the Grace Under Pressure Tour. I brought my dad in a three-piece suit down to the to the spectrum in Philadelphia, and we got great seats. So just oh, imagine nice. me in sixth grade going there after my, after my school. <laughs> my dad and his Brooks Brothers three-piece are back in 1984. And think of the crew that was hanging around me. Pops. He goes, that's eh, all right, son. <laughs> but I
2: gotta <laughs> enjoy the show. <laughs>
1: Best time of my life. Oh yeah. Rush rules.
2: So Richard, I want to get into what is it about Costa Rica that you really love? Because I know that the job is a passion, but what else is there that you you, you that you met your love of your life there? So what else has kept you in Costa Rica?
1: Oh, Miss Liz, the temperature here is incredible. We have two (laughs) seasons wet and dry. (laughs) We're in in tropical paradise. We're known for ecotourism, medical tourism. Cost of living is about a third. And when you go to the farmer's market, La Feria, on the weekends, the abundance of produce and vegetables and exotic fruits and for a fraction of the cost right off the farm, So if you're very interested in an extremely healthy lifestyle, you can easily feed yourself very well for a good price. And there's a very large expat population here. People come down here to retire. And, but for me, Costa Rica is known for poor vida. It means pure life. It's a very proud culture. They're very family oriented. And it's almost like going back to the 1950s. When you see people walking down the street arm-in-arm, arm, people are saying hello to the neighbors and they give the kiss on the cheek, they invite in for, for coffee.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And I like those things. And for me, what I wanted to do is just, I know I'm wearing a suit and I'm an owner of a company, but when I, when I leave this place, I'm just Ricardo. <laughs> and all I want to do is sit at a table, enjoy your food and be complimented for you to give me a second plate. To ask a thousand questions of the pictures on the wall and to hear your stories. The last person I want to talk about, Miss Liz, is myself. I would love to learn more about you so we can become even better friends.
2: Well, and I like that because it's an open communication, right? It's an open doorway of understanding each other. How can we work together? How can we communicate together? How can we build together? That's Mm -hmm. what I get from all of my podcast guests. Like, how can we connect? How can we collaborate? How can we grow? Because that's what I want to do. I just want to grow. I want to grow this big old big fruit that everything is just fruitful, you know, and everyone enjoys themselves. And I'm glad that you're enjoying yourself tonight because I love when my guests enjoy themselves. And I love when you serve a good strong cup of tea and your tea is really strong tonight. So I want to thank you for that, Richard.
1: Had to work for it. Didn't come in
2: I had to make you work for it. I make my guests work. That's right. I give them homework like they have to work. <laughs>
0: well, I got good. no pinball
2: machines, but I got a tea and mm-hmm. I make them work. So I, Richard, I want to get into a little bit. I have so many notes here that I want to get into and I want to make sure that I hit on everything. Sure. So I want to get into the jukeboxes. Of course. So what, what is it about the jukeboxes?
1: That was something I was not used to growing up. I'd occasionally see it at the bar the restaurant or at the train station or airport or wherever when you're traveling in the 70s and stuff and then they kind of disappeared. But I guess I bought my first combo when I was here. I, I bought an arcade machine, I bought an Ultimate Fighter and the guy threw in a 1977 Seberg STD4 Mardi Gras. It's a beautiful one that's got like the rainbows on it. Oh. And I said, wait a second, this is awesome. And I go, wait, it works and it sounds okay. I'll t- I opened it up and there were like 90 discs or 90, 45s in there. I was like, gold mine. And I pulled out one. I'm like, who's this? <laughs> well, like, who's this? I go, where's Duran Duran? I mean, there was nothing that I knew. They were all, and then all my agents were like, oh, I love that guy. I love that song. I mean, you can have it. I don't even really want these things. <laughs> what a shame, right? But then I said, oh, okay, let's calm down. But then I converted it as well for Bluetooth at MP, so people can put on their own tunes. And then I got my obsession again. <laughs> and then I started looking for them. And I found this beauty. This is a 1961 Ricola Regis.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: In mint condition. And what do you do? You have to give them a good home. You have to polish yeah. them. You have to put them on every floor of the call center, parts of your home and everywhere, so your wife is cool with it. And you're plenty of them. And um, imagine lasting 50 years and imagine all the people that fell in love in front of that and put five cents in it.
2: Right. It's the stories. It's the history of those machines. They have energy. All right. Not
1: like Stephen King's Christine, you know, (laughs) these machines (laughs) have energy. So many people (laughs) have loved it and treasured them that I think that they're very happy machines. And when they're with me, I, I really get back that sort of energy. It's, miss liz i really 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 know what i love yeah and when i see these classic machines and the craftsmanship and the beauty and the preservation and like the pinballs the marquees the play fields the buttons the paint i go slow (laughs) i really look at it and it's the sort of thing that my wife because she grew up in costa rica and wasn't exposed to that it's new for her yeah. But she sees my excitement and the more that I share with her, she can understand why I can really admire the artwork and the time that people put into making each one so unique. But um, um
2: I really love that so word. That. I really love that word that you just said, Richard, artwork because back then there was artwork in what they put together. Yes. You know? There was a story on each piece being put in, you know, each disc being put in. Like, why was it only those 45s that were put into that machine? You know, I always question everything. Like, I'm just like, okay, we had 10 love songs. We had 10 rock songs. We had 10 country songs. Why those 10? Like, out of all of the songs, why did they pick that, those songs for just that jukebox? You know, and each juice box is different. And I love the history. I'm like you, Richard, where I say, you know what? Tell me the story. Tell me how it was created, who built it, who had it, how many owners did it have? Correct. You know?
1: Absolutely. But now they're mine. And people say, <laughs> how much do you want for them? No. <laughs> for what?
2: <laughs> you ain't getting them. They're that finally one. home. <laughs> they're priceless.
1: For me, they are. And um, they make me happy. Have I ever overpaid? If you think I have for a couple hundred dollars, but we're not talking things that will break your bank. Yeah. It's really just, do I have the space? <laughs> and thank God I do today.
2: Right, and I think that's what you do with your with your business as well is you put the heart into it, right? You get to know each of your employees. So you're like, why why are you here? What what drew you to my center? You know, what can what can my center give you? How can we build you? How can we play with you? How can we, you know, get you to build that artwork for us? Ms. Liz, when
1: to share a secret with you?
2: Sure, go ahead.
1: When everybody fills out their resumes and their forms, they'll give me their job history and their qualifications, which is I'm punctual, I'm loyal, I'm dedicated. Thank you. Could you give me three paragraphs, please, on a coming-of-age moment? What's a coming-of-age moment? So I have to explain it to them. Three paragraphs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I get to see their spelling and grammar. But, Miss Liz, I get to see the time they beat up a bully or saved a kitten. Why do I do that? Rainy Wednesday. Because when I see Champ in the corner and I remind him when they beat the guy up and saved the princess, I got it. And that's when you start giving the nicknames and that's when you start getting deep because they shared something with you and it's something that you have to respect. But I do get those sort of insights from people if they're willing to give it to me and okay. if they're willing to share something personal about without prying, I will use that not to our advantage, but I will use that to decompress, reset, and hopefully move forward.
2: I right. And I like that you said, like, I, I like the attitude, you know, loyal, honest, you know, punctual, you know, people put that on their resume thinking that they can fool us.
1: You haven't <laughs> done it yet, Miss Liz. I think it's great, <laughs> but you don't even know how to skate. So I say, turn it off. Why don't you tell me something you have done that you're yeah. proud of? And it's interesting. Sometimes they give me this stuff and I'm like, it's almost like the front page. I'm like, okay, man. But sometimes they give you a really good story. Yeah. I mean, a really good story and, and I respect them for it.
2: And I think that's where you build a good connection and relationship, right? And it makes your employer not only feel like a number, it makes them feel like family. You
1: no, know, when you play, I mean, if I can relate to them as a 12 year old, in a sense, maybe you can reduce some sort of egos that they have. Maybe they realize I'm human. Yeah. But this is also my expertise. I just don't write checks. And so when I do a QA grading, when I make coaching suggestions or I discuss with them what happened in regards to rebuttals or a tell sign that they missed on a call because they weren't focused at the time, they do realize I'm doing this in order to enhance them, not critique them because I'm accountable for their work with my client and I put my name behind it. Now I expect sometimes people will leave without a two weeks notice. And as I mentioned, people do have rainy Wednesdays, but all in all, I like to let this generation know and this vertical in this industry know that they can be supported, that they're just not expendable because that was the number one gripe that I heard back in August of 2000 when I was sitting in my first cubicle at the center. They go, look how hard I work, look how much money I did, look at the retention, the upsell, the referral and the exit interview to help the company and they're not even acknowledging me. And I say, well, that's gonna, that's gonna end real fast. And you know what's so sad, Miss Liz? The first question I'll ask a class is how many bosses have you ever met that you've worked for? And I, I get 10%. And I go, that's a shame. And I go, well, hopefully my goal is to be the last boss you ever have. And then I also ask another fear question. If you're not breaking the law, why would you be afraid of a police officer? And if you're not cheating on a test, don't be afraid of Miss Liz in the math class. And if you're showing up on time, pen at the ready, coachable, really with the vigor to win why would you be afraid of me that's your problem not my problem that's I didn't judge you on what happened at your last job as I'm not judging you on what happened with Joey that just wouldn't come to work on time so why don't we start with a clean slate and treat each other cool like that yeah and if we can start strong we can continue strong
2: well, and you're, making, you're making some really good points, Richard. Because we don't we don't do that enough, right? We don't yeah. we don't get we don't get to meet the bosses at a lot of places that people work in. You know, but it's who's, like what, what is that,
1: that Miss Liz?
2: Right, but I that's the boss. Boss should be coming in and getting to meet his team, meeting the, who's who's representing his name as well. You know, you should come down and and say, you know what, I am. You know but not come in like all ego boost but come in and say you know what welcome to the team welcome to the company this is who i am so people know who you are but we're not getting that we're getting a lot of people that just get hired and getting fired or you know getting probational time getting 90 days within that 90 days so a lot of people fool around and screw around and lose jobs that way because
1: i don't blame them
2: right
1: they're doing the best thing for themselves and their family it's very difficult for me to compare myself to others i was given a one a million opportunity to start this company and so i'm doing the things that my grandparents raised me on i'm, I'm sorry but i'm i'm really old school like i got pen and paper here to take notes miss liz if you're going to throw something at me and so yeah <laughs> i like my please and thank yous yeah I, I like to know your name i i like to extend to you some sort of interest and empathy i'd like to set an example for you by being responsible with the payroll, the benefits and dress. I don't have to dress like this, but I do this in case your mother shows up.
2: Right. (laughs) You know, oh, that is the boss over there in the suit.
1: (laughs) Yes, Liz, you know where I'm going. I'm showing self-respect and respect for them. Yeah. But then on the flip side, the price you pay is that they get to know the owner. And I've had some people say mean things and I've had some people leave without the notice and, but I don't take it personal. I realize there's a natural attrition. They leave, as you were mentioning, a scheduling conflict. Someone works somewhere else, more money.
2: Yep. Who knows?
1: But hey, Miss Liz, one thing that will never happen at any place that I work or even a friendship, I will never deface you. I'll never give you public humiliation or give you a walk of shame. Yeah. We don't do things like that here. I, I have leverage. I don't need to do that. My ego is fine. Yeah. And well, you, mean, you mentioned seeing. ego,
2: right? Like there, there was so much ego in the world. Why do we have it? You know, have more empathy for people. You know, actually feel for what people are going through. And I okay. and I get that from you, Richard. Like you, yeah, but someone
1: I, needs to, to hold the ship, though. Yes. And I need to be here late at night, early in the morning, and paying bills. <laughs> so yep. that is my ego. I'm I'm uh, pass me the ball. I'll put it in the end zone. Yeah. So I'm cool with that. But how about this? action reaction if i don't treat people well and they don't come the next day i don't have a company yeah so you have to have that balance
2: you you need it and yeah. and you and you serve that with your tea because you said empathy we need empathy we need to understand that there are human beings out there at the end of the day they're not numbers they're people you know, and, I, and you really do that. You build a relationship with all of your workers by giving them that half an hour playtime to break the ice, get them comfortable, get them loose. You know, a lot of people will go into interviews or start a new job and it's just like, there's your desk, go to work, boom, you know. and And then they wonder why someone's leaving in 30 days because they haven't even been acknowledged or appreciated for anything that they've done, you know show up liz. on good times so we it- gotta
1: be authentic i'm not gonna walk past you and say hey good job champ what did miss liz do and stop calling her champ i would go miss liz hey richard how you doing hey what's up with miss liz by the way last thursday when you got 14 and mrs jones i can't believe you sold her three that was incredible and you were talking about her dog fluffy for five minutes that was awesome and then i walked away and then you go wait a second He really did listen to my call. He just didn't say, good job, champ, (laughs) you know, Uh, or or call me Lisa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he knows my name. He knows
1: mine. But listen, I I, I don't want that either because once I go, he knows my name, then I feel weird. I go, of course I do. Come on. Don't think so low of yourself. You did so well. I heard ABC and D on last Thursday's call. Give me the thing. We're out. And they go, wait a second. He treat me like a human. Listen to my call. We didn't have the butter muffins or kiss butts. It was real. Coach right. really did congratulate me on a big play, and he's out. There we go.
2: There we go. Authentic.
1: Well, it's Canadian Philly style, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's that Canadian proud, strong moment, right? That was a good You Philly have steak. my
1: favorite athlete of all time, and I have a shrine on my wall for Bernie Perron.
2: Oh, Bernie Perron.
1: Oh, who's my Philadelphia Flyer but he's a Canadian boy
2: oh didn't know about that guy I gonna have to check him out
1: <laughs> Yeah, he was my broad street bullies during the 70s but uh no I grew up playing ice hockey I was a goalie for ice hockey and then I played competitive roller hockey in college and I got to play hockey here a little bit but they played um it's like European hockey where the sticks were like girls field hockey sticks. Oh,
2: okay, yeah.
1: And they used the old roller skates. And so I didn't want to kill my ankle, so I went in and played goalie, which was weird because they had the the pads, but they had, like, almost two blockers, but no glove, two oh. waffles. And and it, and the stick was small, too. And so the goalie plays different. They're more on their knees and playing one I'm a, a, one that's standing really? up, you know, the goalie. <laughs> And so I was doing; it was great, <laughs> <We're> like <laughs> old times, and um, and I was aggressive goalie too, with doing double pad stacks and stuff. And they just weren't. And I was wearing my Flyers jersey; <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but um, they stopped playing once COVID hit. But um, yeah, Aww. I missed my hockey. That was cool.
2: Yeah, so Richard, I did ask you a couple questions before we did our interview, and yeah. I asked you what your favorite color was. Do you remember what color you gave me?
1: Oh my goodness. I have so many, it depends on the day. Oh. Did I say crimson? No. Uh-oh. Um uh, like a nice turquoise blue? Mint. How about a lime green?
2: <laughs> no, you went with mint green. But I see okay, you you the mint green. you I mean, I
1: mean, I mean, like the the on water. <laughs> Yeah, my mint green.
2: <laughs> so why that color mint green?
1: It reminds me of, like the 1950s, which was kind of cool. And I always think that the mint with the white is a is a wonderful combination, especially for ice cream. But uh, for me, it, it's a very soothing color. It almost reminds me to chill, and so it really puts me in a good frame of mind. I can almost taste it.
2: And I also asked you one word to describe yourself as a person, and you came in the word "chilling." So okay. there we go with the mint, mint, green, and chilling, chilling ice cream. Like, yeah, put some you sprinkles on there and some chocolate day. chips.
1: <laughs> right? Um, chilling has got me very far in life, <laughs> and an old expression: "Chill, don't grill." And so, you know, usually it's one of those things that kind of, in Philadelphia, got us to our focus again.
2: I like it. I like I like a chilled ice cream, a chilled minty ice cream, put some sprinkles, some chocolate chips and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, Richard, I want to get into a little bit of the call center. Sure. If anybody would like to get into the call center and get into the training, what's the best way to go about it for all the people that are out there that would like to get into this field?
1: Oh, So many areas. But I think the greatest thing is to record yourself. You have to have your structure in regards to your tone rate, pitch, and duration. I think you should practice writing. You should practice delivery. I think pauses are important. There's phonetic tools you could use in regards to mirror imaging technique to match people's speeds and and sounds. My suggestion is to have an empathetic and confident tone, and that should be consistent. I think you should use silence as an advantage so you can gauge reactions from people. Due diligence is important. Military alphabet is essential. And as I was mentioning before, I I believe that names should be used for transitional sentences or confirmation questions, and you should emphasize trigger words on sentences. You might look at it like a script where people circle, underline, and they do their pauses so they, they know when to emphasize. But when it's natural speech, they won't see it. It's almost subconscious. You're so well-versed, you're so well-practiced, they won't see it. Like when Bruce Lee punched you, you didn't even see it coming.
2: Yeah.
1: And so don't be surprised if you're able to readjust tones to clarify things, to reduce any sort of rabbit holes. But how about this? Use this as your base philosophy when making phone calls. From an educated point of view, make a decision. If you ever try to force a fit, you're going to read it wrong and you're going to push it. And there's great ways to build pipelines where you can send your email with your credentials, when you can leave voicemails and you can do instead of 80% prospecting, 20% closing. After a couple of weeks, depending on the size of the list, it's going to be about 80% callbacks. You'll be lucky to have 20% prospecting. And it's usually going to be coming in from emails and voicemails that you left or people in the pipeline that said to call you in three months. So patience when you're making these calls and be very active in your listening because there, there are certain gifts that a gatekeeper may give you. My suggestion, if you're prospecting a phone call to use anonymity within your first couple seconds, don't do that in a whole call, that's shady. But I may say, you know, tea time with Miss Liz. How are you doing today? I might say the name of your company better than you do. And what that will do is we'll snap you out of it and reduce your defense from a 10 to about a six. And then if you're asking me questions, we use a buffer boomerang technique. I can buffer your negative tone, Miss Liz. I can name drop you. Miss Liz, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. And so what you can do is you can buffer boomerang. And if you can have your stability, if you can reset yourself for your arguments and as I mentioned before, don't be surprised if you have some very good conversations with people. And, and finally, no surprises. The best relationships I've had with my clients is when there's chaos because characters judge Miss Liz during chaos. And so if Joey quits on a Tuesday, I will let you know that I have a solution. What happened? And If we can get through those sort of moments together and have that foundation, Miss Liz, then we got the best working relationship when the times are good. And so finally it's maturity and impulse control. You combine all of that together, record yourself practice. You should do exceptionally well.
2: So how did you learn all this stuff?
1: I was taught. My father was a huge influence, my grandparents as well, because how they were treated in their respective industries. But I had some influences, if I may. I'm a huge fan of Basil Rathbone, who was Sherlock Holmes with Nigel Bruce. I thought he was phenomenal in regards to his rhetorical delivery. And then I was very much into Jeremy Brett that did another Sherlock Holmes series back in the 80s. And he was just his delivery was excellent. I was mentioning Pierce Brosnan as Remington Steele, and Dirk Benedict as Templeton Peck in the A-Team. So I gravitated more towards the tongue instead of the brawn. I always thought that glib speakers that were clever, that didn't lie, yeah. but had really good arguments with colorful language, were incredible. And so what I would do is I would stop a lot of these shows, write it down, maybe even sometimes look up words. And in college, I did a lot of just public speaking. I I was an intern for Telemundo for two years, my senior and super senior year. Yeah, I did five years. <laughs> I interned for Telemundo. I gave 20 hours a week. I was influenced by Miguel Kitana, who was the newscaster in Los Angeles, and a gentleman by the name of Pedro Sefsek, who had a talk show against Univision out of Florida, and these gentlemen would visit Tucson when I had the opportunity from Jay Cohen that allowed me to be an intern and I would go out and do public promotions and public relations with them in English and Spanish. And so they allowed me to hone my skills and watch and learn from extremely accomplished professionals and not my native tongue. But you know what it was, Miss Liz, the way that they reacted to the people they were hugging taking pictures, autographs, but it wasn't that. They were talking for like 10 minutes. (laughs) And, And they were talking about things they had in common, the food, the family, the grandparents, where they've traveled. It was almost like their family. And I realized that the Latino culture has something so in common that these individuals, they almost were starting off on third base. And if I could tap into that, by learning these cultures, by showing good faith, learning second languages, I might be able to get a tenth of that sort of momentum and possibly get a career from that. Um, I know we go off on so many tangents, but uh, I, I hopefully I was able to answer that question for oh, you.
2: Oh, no. And, and that's what we need, right? We need to know where we, can, where we get stuff from. Like everyone, Miss Liz, when do you get your tea? I get it from the lady back there in that picture. my oma from germany like she just taught me how to serve tea for life like just treat people the way you want to be treated you know and we all have a story we all have a past a present and a future and how we how we proclaim ourselves and we work towards ourselves you know we might come from a hard life but we have a choice to make it better you know and paint a new picture paint a new artwork you know we don't have to stay in that darkness you know we can always lighten it up and I really want to thank you Richard for bringing such a fine-filled tea time to the table tonight cuz I just love chilling and talking about jukeboxes and yeah. pinball machines and all of that. Every tea time is different. And I and I want this to be a place of home. I want this to be a place of fun. And just like you do with your at, at your center is a place of fun. Did I
1: overdress you for tea tonight?
2: <laughs> no, I, well I got a suit jacket on too and I got my socks.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm just having fun no of course I was going to show up in a suit for you and your audience I love it but um, I tell you I was always on a vision quest I always had a spiritual life journey and there were six senses or tingles or whatever it was that came to me and by having these open doors with Telemundo and coming to Costa Rica I what did I need somebody to come down smack me in the face five times and go hey buddies (laughs) <laughs> it's right in front of you. Yeah. Um, I saw the signs and I continued with my momentum. And I think if people are true to themselves, they, they will find that natural path. There are a couple, I, you mentioned twists and turns. There are no straight lines in nature. But obviously, I needed a little bit of rudder to my shift. Well, you needed that to...
2: adventure, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> if it was this straight, there'd be no adventure. And you gave adventure in your teeth. So you had those twists and turns, those ups and downs, right? We need adventure in life. We need some humor. We need some play time. You know, let's stop being so serious about life. Like, life is too short to be serious. Let's just have some fun. And I really had some fun tonight with you, Richard. Me too. And I really I got to know a little bit more of the... The world of telemarketing and the world of saving, restoring, bringing the old into the new, you know, there's so much to learn. So any final words before we wrap up your tea time tonight, Richard?
1: Yeah, real quick for your audience. Costa Rica is north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're the only democratic society in Central America. There's no standing army here. So they put all of their money back into education. There's a 95% literacy rate. We have the best infrastructure, and we claim to have the most neutral English accent. I mentioned earlier companies such as HP, Intel, Oracle, and Amazon are here, and the labor pool is exceptionally skilled, and they have the ability to be coached and to be attuned to the North American market. And as I mentioned, hopefully, if you ever have the chance to speak to a Costa Rican call center agent, you may have a positive experience. And when that happens, Miss Liz, please let me know. <laughs> I think oh, I'll be
2: absolutely. Is. I might just call the center just to let you know.
1: <laughs> Perfect. You can mystery shop us. No problem.
2: <laughs> there we go. Right. Do some mystery shopping. It's always fun, right? I'd like to know how they would sell tea. So if they had to sell me a cup of tea, how would they sell it? From
1: your center. Oh, my good friend, you would close your eyes and describe the smell and the taste and the sort of cup that it's served in and the view that you have. Is it hot or cold outside? And where are you and who's with you? And why are you celebrating this delicious cup of tea during your day? And so I would be asking open-ended questions, allowing you to describe to me your ideal, environment to drink your tea and then i would adjust that call accordingly so everyone would be a brand new sort of uh, you know rompy cabeza, like a like a <laughs>
2: like
1: a puzzle to solve
2: mm-hmm. and that would
1: be fascinating for each person mm-hmm.
2: that's awesome Well, thank you so much, Richard, for joining me tonight on Tea Time. And thank you to the viewers and and that. I just got right into the conversation. And I want to thank everyone who has tuned in. If you're watching the replay, please push hashtag replay. Let me know where you're tuning in from. If you'd like to know where Miss Liz is, check the website out. Check out the link tree. All of that good, juicy stuff is in there. My tea is all over. These guests are all over. Check out the YouTube channel. Give them a follow and reach out, connect, collaborate, and see where it takes you because that's what Tea Time is all about. So I will be seeing everybody March 2nd with a new whole full month of guests to educate in different ways. And you'll be surprised. Some stuff are even coming that I've never heard of. So it's going to be an exciting month. And again, Richard, thank you for closing up February for me. It was an honor having you here. Stay connected. And don't leave. I'm just going to wrap up and close Close the screen, but we will talk in the backstage. Thanks, Miss Liz.
0: Thank you.